Here is today's word from the Lord. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Several years ago, while on vacation, I was looking for something to read in the house we were staying in, had on their coffee table a number of books. And I noticed a book called The Millionaire Next Door. So I decided to pick it up and see what it had to say and found it was quite an interesting read. For it challenged many of the current assumptions that we all carry about millionaires. For example, today there are more millionaires than ever in the United States. And only 20% inherited their money. Most obtained their wealth by hard work, by not spending, by saving. For you see, most millionaires do not look like most of us think. Most of us assume that millionaires have very big houses, drive fancy automobiles, wear the most expensive clothing. And while that's true with a small percentage of them, most live in average neighborhoods. Most drive ordinary cars. Rather than paying $400 for a pair of shoes, they go for the 1995 special. They look like everyday Joe and Susie, but they do some things that ordinary Joe and Susie do not do. They spend less than they make. They stay out of debt. They give to their churches. And they view themselves as a charity as well, usually their favorite charity. So they invest in themselves by saving as much of their monthly income as possible. Not too difficult to become a millionaire if you do that for 45 or 50 years that you work. This morning's life lesson from Luke is about possessions and about money. The main point Jesus' message is what he is trying to say to us is that acquiring possessions and wealth is not wrong. But you're a fool if you center your life around making money and having things. For this is what too many people are doing in their lives today. They're living for making money, for buying things, for having possessions. The sad thing is that none of us can really have lots of possessions without them having us. Our lives begin to evolve around meeting their needs, meeting their standards, having this or that, and then one loses perspective on what's really important in life. So if you have your Bible or the, the Scripture insert, if you join me, please, by opening to Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And let's see what Jesus has to say about possessions. The text begins with an issue that is as relevant as you'll find of any that you'll find in the Bible. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The man's father had died. He wasn't left much or maybe anything in the will. It's not unusual in that culture that the inheritance would be left to the firstborn son who was to determine what was best for the rest of the family. If you were secondborn or sixthborn, you had better hope that older brother would look after you. If you were a daughter, you were to marry and you would receive an inheritance through your husband's family. So this man asked Jesus to tell his brother to share. And Jesus, the rabbi and teacher, is now being asked to fulfill a judge's duty. Can you hear the fire in Jesus' response? Man, 
Who appointed me a judge and arbiter between you? Jesus is saying, that's not my role. You're asking the wrong person. But then Jesus adds a warning. He said to them, and this is the them is probably the man and his brother. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Watch out. Be on your guard. In other words, pay attention against all kinds of greed. Now, greed is covetousness or selfishness. Webster defines it as a ravenous desire for more than one needs or deserves. A ravenous desire for more than one needs or deserves. We do this with food or wealth or power or position or our possessions. To be greedy is to excessively desire to acquire or possess something, especially in quantity. Jesus is saying, watch out for this. Greed will wreck your life. Greed will wreck your spiritual life. Greed will wreck your relationships. Why? Because a person's life doesn't consist in what we have or how much we have or how expensive how much we have is. Now, I know I almost sound like a heretic in today's consumer-driven materialistic culture in which we're all apart. We place value on what we have and what we do. We place value on what others have and what other people do. But we must remember the scriptures and what they say about greed. Let me just give you a few examples. Jesus in Mark 7, 21. He says, For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, lewdness envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. The Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 but among you there must not be given a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And then the Apostle Paul to the Colossian church, he takes it one step further. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Greed. Jesus is saying that this tendency of greed in our lives needs to be corrected or it will lead to a shriveled up life, sapped of joy and life. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the, in the abundance of his possessions. Then Jesus illustrates his point with a parable. The parable of the rich fool, verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. The man in the parable was blessed with an abundant crop. His personal increase was tremendous. By the way, note he was already rich, says the ground of a certain rich man. He was already rich. And then he's blessed even more. And what is his reaction to this blessing from God? Was it God's work? Was he concerned about the needy? Was he concerned about others at all? No, it was all about himself. He was being greedy. All he could think of was himself. What shall I do? I have, I will, my barns, my grain, my goods, eat, drink, and be merry. We can't fault his initiative. We can't fault his personal mindset. We can't, his visionary mindset. We can't fault his planning. We can't fault his desire to be ready for retirement. But his life was all about him. Don't we do the same thing in so many ways? We have to have this house. We have to drive this car. We have to wear this brand name. We have to go to this place. Now please don't hear me wrong. Those things aren't bad in themselves. It's the value that you and I place on these things and the priority that they end up becoming in our lives. Our lives end up revolving around it, around having it, caring for it, serving it, repairing it, showing it. And sadly, most of the time, it's nothing but greed. Jesus is saying, watch out. Don't be like the rich man in the parable who only thought of himself. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich for God. You fool, tonight your number's up. It's accountability time. Your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Not you. There are no hearsed with U-Hauls. It doesn't matter who dies with the most toys. You can't take it with you to the big game. Your soul came into the world with no possessions, and your soul will leave this world with no possessions. Heavy stuff. It's interesting that this story begins with a man wanting his part of the inheritance, and now Jesus is pointing out that others will get what he leaves behind. By the way, I hope you have a will, an up-to-date will. One of the best gifts you can leave to your family is a will stating your intentions. Sounds like that this person in the story begins that he probably didn't have a will. Now one brother's left out, or maybe he did have a will and he was left out intentionally. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But one of the best gifts you can leave your family is a will stating your intentions. I've sat with families where there was no will. The frustration, the arguments, the disagreements, the family division which exists for years after, sometimes forever because there was not a will. People began to fight over this and that. Or when the state became the arbitrator and the government decided what, when, where, and who got what, don't do that to your family. It's an act of love to have an updated will. Like the man in this story, your inheritance will become a source of controversy in the lives of your loved ones who remain. 
Again on verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night will be demanded, your life will be demanded from you. There's a popular song out today by Tim McGraw called Live Like You're Dying. It's a country song. The song tells the story of someone in his 40s who discovers he has a serious disease and will probably die. So what's the guy do? Well, here's the chorus. And he said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Blue Machu. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I forgave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you'll get the chance to live like you're dying. And the second verse goes like this. He said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times the year I lost my dad. Well, I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it again. And it goes back to the course. I went skydiving. What would your life be like if you knew that in two months it would be over? What would change? How would you spend your time? Who would you spend your time with? I doubt any of us would be worrying about our possessions or about getting more possessions. What a great lesson for each of us to apply in our lives, to live like we're dying. The main point of Jesus' message here is not that acquiring wealth and possessions is wrong, but you are a fool if you center your life around making money and having money. Well, after telling this parable of the rich fool to the man and exhorting him not to live in greed, Jesus then turns to his disciples, who are probably standing by watching all this, and he tells them about the righteous follower in his kingdom. Verses 22 and 23, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, remember you always ask what the therefore is. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Life's more than your possessions. Life's more than food and it's more than the clothes that you wear. And then he asked them to mull over two thoughts. First is in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? But since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider, he says, the ravens. These birds are not very greedy. They don't have to store up. Unlike the rich fool, they have no storeroom. They have no barns, yet God feeds them. And they're just birds. And you're so much more valuable to God. God takes care of his followers. He may provide the right job. He may provide the meal when there was none. He may provide unexpected funds. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians in 419, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus then asked, Who can add a single hour to his life? 
you're not in control of it. So stop worrying about it. You see, the rich fool was worrying about what to do with his crops. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I'm sure he stayed up night after night worrying and worrying about what he was going to do. But in the end, he couldn't add a single hour to his life. And neither can we. The second thing Jesus asked us to consider is in verse 27. Consider the, how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Are you of little faith? Consider, consider the lilies, he says. And we've all seen Easter lilies. They're beautiful. We just had a bunch of day lilies bloom in our yard. They're wonderful. Jesus says that not even King Solomon in his finest hour was dressed up like any of these lilies. King Solomon had quite a hoard, by the way. His legends were world-renowned. One day the queen of Sheba comes to visit him, and she's blown away by his wisdom and his wealth. 1 Kings 10.4 records it this way. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon in the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of the officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth you have exceeded the report I have heard. Jesus wants his disciples to understand, and they would have known about Solomon, that if God can take care of his lilies, he'll take care of our needs. How much more will he clothe you, oh, of little faith? And then he sums it all up in the next few verses, verse 29. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and all these things will be giving, given to you as well. Seek His kingdom, and He will take care of you. He knows your needs. Seek His kingdom. It may be with a new job. It may be with a raise. It may be with a gift from a friend. It may be with a great deal at the store. It may be by going through a difficult, terrible time. Or it may be in some supernatural, unexpected way. But God will see you through. When I remember Daniel in the lion's den, God didn't rescue him from the lion's den. He rescued him through the lion's den. The same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's hard to get out. They were in the fiery furnace. God didn't rescue them from the fiery furnace. He rescued while they were in it. So how he takes care of us may look different than we expect. But seek his kingdom and he will take care of you. If your life is centered in greed, in having and getting and showing, you will not be rich toward God. And when we all leave this world, we want to be rich toward God. Yes, we do. We don't want to be a fool before God. We don't want to be indifferent to how he would have used us, the blessings that he has given us. We want to be rich toward Him. Whether we're millionaires 
or whether we live on a very little tiny means, we can be rich toward Him. We can watch out for the greed in our life. We can be generous givers and blessings of others. It's interesting to read about what happens to people when they win the lottery. Very interesting. I'm told that for most, greed takes over. And before long, not only is all the money gone, but the people end up in very heavy debt. How would your life change if you won the $230 million lottery? Or would it? Would greed take over? Jesus is saying, possessions or not, life is much more. And possessions or not, all of us can play the part of the rich fool. But God wants us to be the righteous follower. So our lesson from Luke this morning. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart, to invite Him to come and, and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that You are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I, I've messed up, and I ask Your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want You to come and live in my life. So I invite You. I open myself to You. Come and indwell me in Your presence. It's not a difficult prayer. But it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer. And you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something and and you refuse to do it. Why not today say, yes, Lord. Why not today do what he wants you to do? Or stop doing what He doesn't want you to do. And get your life right to Him. Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day. And the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life, that you might be the person He's called you to be. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. 
You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.